0: Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining us again at Procurement Innovation Podcast. We are glad to have you for another amazing episode. Really excited today as our current guest is somebody I've known for many years, both within the uh, supplier diversity realm as well as the entrepreneur realm. I'm just very excited to have her here. Uh, Lisa Jones, the CEO of iMail. She's a disruptor. She's an innovator. She's a catalyst. The number of rec- recent recognition she's gotten from corporate America for what iMail is doing in the marketplace is just absolutely fascinating. Uh, iMail, for those of you who don't know, is a very innovative, disruptive marketing communication technology that helps corporates reach out to customers, help Uh, entrepreneurs reach out to customers, as well as an internal tool. And I know I probably did not do it justice, and Lisa, in a few seconds, will be able to give us a little bit more detail. But Lisa has been on both sides of this. She used to be in corporate America with with AT&T, and prior to that with NASA. She has a background in engineering, an MBA, both from Alabama A&M, and now about to start a stint at Harvard Business School. So very excited to have my guest, Lisa, how are you doing today?
1: Wonderful, wonderful. Thank you so much for that kind introduction, and and it's a pleasure to be here.
0: Well, wonderful, Lisa. You know, I I, want to start off by saying, you know, I I remember you kicking off iMail and, you know, (laughs) seeing where you guys are going. But give us, you know, tell us about the journey and tell, you know, even share with our listeners. You know, we have procurement executives, supply chain executives, a lot of entrepreneurs about, You know, where you started iMail, what it's doing today, and a little bit about your company and some of your key services.
1: Absolutely. So I started iMail from the belief that um, we all deserve to be heard. We all deserve to be seen and to be felt. That's our core theme. And that we're all seeking a human connection with our customers, with our colleagues. My, My home state is Alabama. I'm from Montgomery, Alabama, and I started my career at NASA. And I thought I was going to retire long term from NASA, but what I figured out is that I had an entrepreneurial spirit from a young age. So when I left NASA and moved to Atlanta uh, and then migrated to Singular Wireless, to AT&T, and I was in infrastructure development and then I moved into supplier diversity, which was a passion of mine in being able to work with diverse and minority-owned businesses to find uh, contract opportunities and to foster relationships. And I thought about, you know, with life, you have so many nuances and pivots and ups and downs, and you think about how your life is gonna turn out. One One of my greatest fears, Raj, was living a life unfulfilled, not maximizing my potential and thinking how to best accomplish that. Sometimes in life, things happen that force you to look at your life, to redefine how you want to progress forward with it. In my case, in starting iMail, I received a phone call at 824 in the morning from my sister in Alabama to advise me that our mother had passed away at home alone at the age of 61. And I remember the impact that that one message had on me uh, in knowing that my mom was home alone at the age of 61 and passed away. And when I went home to the services, um, the services to me, Raj, seemed to have lasted only seven minutes in time. In my mind, I was going to get up and speak, but at that particular moment, I wasn't. It just didn't flow out that way for me to get up and speak, even though I was not on the uh, the program. And as people were going back to their cars, I kept thinking to myself, "Is this what life comes down to? Is seven minutes of time, um, and that we all should be celebrated?" And my mother deserved to be celebrated. She raised three daughters, term successful, and does it come down to seven minutes? So as everybody was going back to their cars, I made a prayer to my mother. And my prayer was, when I come back to Atlanta, I wanna find a way to start a company, but not just any company. I I want a company that inspires something great, that's global, that becomes a global brand, uh, that creates a legacy in her name, but primarily to make up for those seven minutes. The seven minutes of time of my mother's services served as a catalyst for me being able to create iMail. So when I came back to Atlanta, I started thinking about, well, what kind of company could I start? And I thought about uh, in one communication, my life was changed. And I said, well, you know, communications play such a big role. in our I'll start a communications business. Well, what kind of communications business? And I said, well, how do we communicate? Verbally, uh, nonverbal, in writing, what else do we do? And I thought about email. I said, wow, in one click, an email can be anywhere in the world. I won't have to have inventory. This could be cool. I researched 150 different corporations and organizations Brand messaging that uh, is sent out to customers in their email inbox. And the reason I did that is because I needed to see exactly the landscape of what's being sent out to customers to engage them. And there was one key point that all of these communications had in common. All of them were static. I did not feel special. I did not feel uh, inspired to take that next step for a call to action. There was either a graphic or a hyperlink that I had to click to then go to another page to do something else. And I said to myself, what if I could create a product that brings email to life, that adds instant engagement from step one so that as soon as you open up, Uh, the email, which is now the iMail, video starts to play, but not just video, up to 60 seconds in the experience that captivates you, that inspires you to take that next step for a call to action. And with that premise in mind, I I made the transition ultimately out of corporate and became a full-time founder and chief iMail officer of iMail Inc.
0: Wow, what an amazing story. You know, I I know we have talked in the past and I remember some of the remnants of what you just said, but it was so powerful, the story about your mother and that seven minutes. And, you know, I also mm-hmm. got a chance for, for our listeners. Uh, Lisa was also f- featured in Forbes recently, and this story really comes to life. So there's a lot to unpack there. I mean, I know you had the technology experience at at and and Singular mm-hmm. Wireless, but what was it a marketing passion you had prior? I mean, because you could have gone in so many directions based on the messaging of what came out of the emphasis of, you know, your mother's legacy. But what, what was it specifically that you saw that, Oh my God, this is a great opportunity and I want to disrupt the space.
1: I saw there was a gap in the marketplace of what was being offered and what was being sent out also in being in supplier diversity on the corporate side, seeing exactly what suppliers and stakeholders were sending us internally. A lot of uh, suppliers were sending 10 meg decks, 20 meg decks, and there's a space requirement, right? So it's like, yeah. if it's not a small file, then you have to decide, am I going to keep it? Am I going to file it? Or am I, I going to delete it? Those were the three options. And I thought about with iMail also, that it needed to be a very small file. Uh, so that it would deliver and that it would remain small so it wouldn't have any bandwidth issues. So I think the catalyst for me was knowing that email in particular, is something, I don't know, email is personal. It's like we don't like to necessarily look at the inbox clutter because it's so much going on. But there needs to be a way to stand out from the clutter. And to me, email was sexy in its own way. <laughs> it was. <laughs> it's personal to you because even though you yeah. like Like all email, you're going to look at your emails and you're going to look at your mobile and you're going to look at your text messaging. And the idea that the commitment that I made was for iMail to be a global product. And when I thought about email and that one click scenario, I was all in. I just needed to figure out at that point, for me being on the business side, I am not a coder. I am not a developer, but I am a visionary. And I wanted to be able to align some of the world's best talent to create and bring to life my vision of making email more inclusive, accessible, and creating an engagement factor.
0: No, there there is no doubt that you've done that and been very successful. And, you know, just the acknowledgements and awards, you know, we could sit here for the next 10 minutes, you know, between (laughs) Ernst & Young's Influential Leaders, you know, Atlanta Business Chronicles, Catalyst, Delta Airlines Catalyst, and we could go on and on, but I think the the, the fact that, you know, Delta, Coca-Cola, Microsoft, Warner, Porsche, they're all coming to you and they see a tremendous value that you're bringing to the end of the day is uh, obviously um, something that they themselves organically could not create. So kudos to you to seeing a, a need in the market and disrupting. So let, let's fast forward a little bit. I mean, I, I know what you're, how you've been successful now and I know with the pandemic, you know, em- And I think we should start the question that way. Has the pandemic impacted your business At uh, and how has it? And what do you see coming out of the pandemic over the next few years uh, where iMail will uh, challenge the status quo?
1: In thinking about the pandemic, what I've seen in terms of the changes is we all have to be agile to adapt. Because we never know at a moment's notice when something may happen that positively or negatively affects the business. But it's always about looking at any challenge as an opportunity to excel, an opportunity to reinvent and to keep moving forward. So from the iMail perspective, when the pandemic um, started, we had to think about our business model because a lot of our customers were going through their own internal changes of having to figure it out. So we had to adapt. The number one thing that we focused on at that juncture of time was thinking about it from our customer's perspective. Um, We here at iMail, we're a very empathetic organization. We're really driven by what drives our customers based on their mission and goals. And so we were trying to figure out how to best be of service to them uh, in the current and going forward in the future. That required us to have more sessions to listen. I think it's so important, you know, it's amazing how much we all like to talk about ourselves. We love to talk about what we do, what our product does, what our service does, but how often do, we often do we take the time to listen to someone else's story or to someone else's pain point so that we can find solutions that are within that particular realm. In our case of iMail in the pandemic, it is that we can provide support uh, in various ways. There was an increase for a need of internal communications to employees. That could be personalized. That could include uh, the video content from executive leadership, right? Where they can hear and see and feel them directly in their email inbox and mobile for these messages that are sent out. And there could be a call to action, a call to action for training, a call to action for support. So internal communications was one area that we expanded I mail into uh, for being able to communicate internally and externally with stakeholders. Also, for organizations, one of our customers is the uh, Make a Wish Foundation. And in their case, donations for critically ill children were not coming in as readily when the pandemic hit. And so, as a result, we were able to also pivot to support nonprofits and their mission, to be able to send out compelling messaging direct. To their customer base and their followers and their donors so they could have an immediate call to action to contribute to continue to contribute to their initiatives so i would say that has been our shift is just being able to listen more and provide more messaging based on the need of the corporate and then going forward it's thinking about uh with reopenings thinking about working from home continuously or going back in the office each one of those touch points being able to communicate the messaging, but it's about human connection. I think out of the pandemic, what we've all learned is there is importance, there is significant importance in human connection and that we all seek human connection. iMail is another way in lieu of being there in person or in addition to, to be able to connect with people so they can see you and hear your message loud and clear uh, and to connect with you as part of the brand.
0: Well, it makes total sense. And, you know, I know that as you've gone global, um, you know, the obvious things start coming in in terms of language and mm-hmm. culture and other things. And I'm sure that you guys have been handling that. And, you know, I, I guess I'll ask the generic question that a lot of tech folks start asking. Where mm. does, you know, some of the things from artificial intelligence and some of the other um, key advanced automated processes fit where the direction where you're headed in the future?
1: That's a wonderful question because it's always thinking about trends, progressions forward of that roadmap of of a company. We are very fortunate to be a Microsoft mentor protege uh, company and to have been in the Microsoft innovation lab to work with senior architects in crafting the iMail solution for refinement and discussing artificial intelligence and discussing, uh, like I mentioned about the 15 kilobytes that I mail when it delivers, it's a small file size. So I think it's, it's critical in looking at the aspects of where we're going and to continue to innovate. So in our roadmap, we're innovating not only in the email inbox and in mobile, but now as of uh, where anticipated launch is first quarter 2022, we're gonna have video in text messaging that allows you to be able to upload your video and to send out your messaging direct as like a text message SMS directly to your customer base. But you can send it out to millions of people if you choose or you can send it out to a limited number. So I think it's always important to stay forward thinking on the future, the progression of the impact that can be made in technology and innovation.
0: Wow. Wow. So iMail, you're starting to move to social, to text. I assume there's a social media plan. I don't want you to give out your secrets, but I assume that there's going to be something there as well, where iMail is headed. So, uh, it's just amazing. If you want, if you want to share, you can, if not, we can, we can, we can cover that over another
1: discussion. Oh, nice. Well, we have some patent pendings out there currently, but just know that iMail is here to support your needs for what needs to happen for communication. And just know that we're on the forefront of making sure that your needs are covered. So, you know, just some exciting things on the horizon that I'm looking forward to our team being able to share upcoming in the future. I want to also mention Raj, in thinking about technology, and like, we're talking about like how technology grows and the innovation I want to share on our team, you know, I mentioned early on, that I wanted to build a global concept for a global company. And it's so amazing. And I'm so full of gratitude as the founder that we have such a diverse team. Our youngest team member for iMail is 23. And our most senior uh, iMail employee is 75. And it's, we have a team from all over the world, and we're able to collaborate with different cultures, different ideas, different experiences, so that when we come together for a customer, we're looking at it from all angles, not just one viewpoint, but from all of these different touch points in communicating with the customer base.
0: No, makes total sense. And it's, you've been a, you know, you've been ahead of the curve of taking a look at that type of uh, employee and talent pool. So kudos to you. Mm-hmm. Thank so I you. I pivot, want to pivot a little bit, you know, come back to some of your experience, you know, as you were at AT&T and in diversity there and at Singular Wireless and ask you your experience of now as you're on the other side, serving as an entrepreneur, a Weeby, an MBE, what have you seen that you think foundationally works and how can I be, uh, I want to be very diplomatic here. What needs to be improved, right? What needs to be improved in the environment that we, you know, you can give advice to other entrepreneurs or diversity organizations, you know, to start increasing the, the amount of connections between MBEs and organizations.
1: Thank you for that insightful question, because it generates a lot of thoughts uh, in so many directions of answering uh, what could be improved on the landscape of supplier diversity. I think supplier diversity, I believe, instead of think, I believe that supplier diversity is required um, in order to provide a means for diverse suppliers to be able to showcase their offering uh, to leveling the playing field for opportunity. In in thinking about my career, both on the corporate side, as well as now being a CEO, of course, uh, there are a lot of areas that I've learned in the journey that I would love to share. In terms of improvement, when we think about going, of course, to trade shows or different events, we're always on the MBE, WBE side, seeking to find a way to build a relationship, right? But you only have maybe a minute or two minutes at a trade show to be able to connect. And and it's a difficult position because it's like, you wanna be able to build a relationship, but how do you build a relationship potentially if of course supplier diversity is advocating, but they're also very busy. And then you as the uh, MWBE, may feel that you're being slighted because your email has not been answered after the fourth one. And you're like, I know I sent that email. Why are they not responding? And I think what's important to keep in mind is that in the midst of us all going about our business and our day, um, all of us have tasks that we have to complete. And it's about it's a it's a marathon and not a sprint that you have to be resilient. In your approach and to continue forward even when you don't necessarily hear back in the time frame that you think is appropriate but it's always reaching out with a positive outlook and an attitude or if it's something that you can share with uh someone in supplier diversity that's important to them that's important in building a relationship. i think on the supplier diversity side it's important to be able to set up forums such as uh meet the buyer such as a supplier spotlight uh, such as a lunch and learn that allows a select group of suppliers per quarter or per a term to be able to highlight what they do so, they can, so that they can continue to show others their capabilities. I want to say one of my experiences that I don't mind sharing. When you're, when you're developing something that hasn't been done before, something new, something that's a new experience. You know, we all like our comfort zones, but I would challenge everyone that's listening to this call to think of how can I step out of my comfort zone to accept or receive something new in a thought process? So in my case with iMail, here I am talking about a video and email experience that's compelling, that's going to deliver your message. And when I would go to corporations, some corporations, they would say, well, Lisa, that's pretty cool. But you know what? We don't have an RFP for that. So when we do find an RFP, we'll be back in touch. You have to be open to innovation. And you also have to think about there will not be an RFP if it's the first of its kind because it's a nuance. So my suggestion would be to think about cases where there is um, an offering or a solution to give that company 15 minutes, even if it's 15 minutes for them to be able to highlight via a Zoom call or in person, not just send over literature that's gonna go in a repository, but to, to actively, proactively work with that supplier to be able to let them show their innovation and to let it shine, and then to determine where best to route them. Uh, in addition to them, of course, completing registration in the portal, but also giving them some points of guidance or uh, a point of contact that they could further reach out to if there is interest. I would also like to mention briefly, <clears throat> in attending Harvard, one of the things that we've learned there is the world-class thought leadership that's there and all of these uh, amazing people from around the world that are attending classes. And I, I have access to be able to learn from so many different sources. One of the key access aspects of growth is to be able to experiment to be able to take a chance you know in corporate america sometimes we're we're risk adverse wouldn't you say raj
0: oh without a doubt i'm glad you're (laughs) glad you're touching this topic right i mean and i'm going to let you finish your thought there but the ability of being innovative disruptive and risk While you're mitigating risk, it becomes tough. (laughs) So I'd love to hear your thoughts here.
1: (laughs) Yes. I mean, it's a real, it's a real challenge uh, because we're, we're trained that way. Like, no, we can't have risk or no one wants to be the fall guy for saying something didn't work or something didn't happen. And this is where innovation happens. Innovation happens from being able to take a chance on some new experiences, new experiments out there. Uh, There's a book written by a professor at Harvard Business School, Stefan Tompke, T-O-M-P-K-E. And it's called Experimentation Works. And he has collected all of this global research that further defines that market leaders, early adopters are ahead of the curve because they're open to being able to fail. The idea of failing in corporate America is like a no, no, no. It's not going to fail. But through failure or through experimenting, you're able to learn what doesn't work so that you can continue to elevate, innovate, and move forward. So it's like the more prototypes you can develop for it, you can see how your audience engages with different forms of your innovation. So I think my number one piece of advice would be, well, I have two. One is think about innovation, that there might not be an RFP, but be open to hearing a supplier that has something new, fresh, and relevant to the marketplace. And and secondly, be willing on both sides, of course, to be open to experimenting, knowing that if something does not happen uh, the first time, then you'll learn the second time. And there's always something to learn. And Henry Ford once said, failure is only another way to begin more intelligently. And I love that quote, because we all need to be free to know that if that email is not perfect, you know how we'll go through our minds, Raj, on an email. Before we send that email, we're going to look at it like 12, 15 times (laughs) uh, to make sure there's not a typo. Um, And there is, we definitely want, professional decorum but it's at the same time giving yourself the freedom to know that everything in life might not be perfect but that you keep going forward and those are my thoughts on that particular topic.
0: No I appreciate that as somebody who also spent many many years in corporate and also was trying to grow diversity at that time you know I I think we're at a major crossroads because every demographic study you look at is showing that we're headed to our plurality Mm -hmm. Very soon. And, you know, the the minority base is already well over 40 percent and women make up 55 percent. Yet the supply chains in our country and the number of suppliers in corporate America are less than 10 percent. I mean, that's those are just the facts. So how can you as a corporate. That wants to provide top products and services to your customer base without having suppliers that have that voice. That's a massive disconnect. And, right. you know, I, I think you're right about the risk thing. And I'm also wondering, you know, you know, I've been, uh, how can I say this, uh, have been experienced by going to a number of NGO events over the last 10, 15 years. And I, I think you and I can both agree that sometimes it's great and there's a lot of diversity leaders, but I think having a larger um Executive presence by each one of these corporates is important because you and I both know that the diversity leaders can only do so much. But I get frustrated when I don't think there's as much buy in from the C suite as there needs to be.
1: Exactly. You know, exactly. So, I totally agree. I and, think, and so um, the po- No, no, no please, go, please ahead.
0: go ahead. No, you know, no, no. I,
1: I was just thinking about from suppliers, it's one thing to register in the portal but it's another thing to have that advocacy that takes the time to introduce the supplier to someone within the corporation to to build a relationship because how do you build a let's let's talk about that for a second raj how do you build a relationship where you don't have one existing i mean we all do business with people that we know and like and that the goal is to for to level the playing field but how can a supplier truly foster and build a relationship where you're not given the time to be able to, to develop it? What, what means do you have to develop the relationship? So it has to be and willingness to be able to take a little time out the calendar where it's conducive, of course, to meet with that supplier and or to make some introductions internally for their growth.
0: No, no, you're exactly right. I mean, I, I think furthermore, in a remote landscape that we are today, without conferences, without conventions, without face-to-face, it, it's made it much more difficult. I, you know, the numbers I saw in yes. the Institute of Supply Management and McKinsey had said that something like uh, 45 to 50 percent of uh, minority businesses went under during the pandemic. Wow. Uh, I've had this conversation with so many. Much- We've gotten used to working remote and a lot of executives and leaders of corporates are working remote. And if they don't even show up to these events, how do you build that level of trust? How do you build those touch points? How do you do this in the future so that smaller entrepreneurs get that seat at the table? Right.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Another touch point also in thinking about on the corporate side uh, for diverse businesses, being able to enter, through the doors is the amount of paperwork in some cases that's required. I mean, I've seen it where there are like, I don't know, 300, 300. Well, let's be reasonable here. 150 different touch points of paperwork that's required um, just to complete, to be considered. It could be your security analysis, which is one part, but it's so many documents. And so it's thinking through also, how can you work with that supplier if they have a, um, an emerging operation or maybe it's not a, a company that's making $300 million, but being um, more, what's the word, Raj, more conducive to being, being able to work with them so that they don't have to necessarily complete 400 pieces of paperwork. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how to say it differently. Help me, Raj. Well, on
0: that <laughs> I, I think what you're saying, and I fully agree, <laughs> is having a model that's more flexible mm-hmm. and mindful of Entrepreneurs that don't have the bandwidth because I think supply chains are pretty much built to work with other large companies because that's how they built their organization. They don't take into consideration the smaller company. And everything you just said is spot on. And then I would further go is once you get in there, you're dealing with 90, 120 day pay terms. You're dealing with insurance policies that are just, you know. Uh, basically uh, very draconian to the business. Uh So there's a lot of things that have to change, especially for minority led companies to have a fair chance to do business long-term with these corporates.
1: Absolutely. Now some corporates or some train of thought might say, well, if you want to play with the big boys, these are the terms, but that's a closed mindset of thinking about it globally and holistically of how do we create an inclusive culture, um, worldwide and this is one of the ways is to think think about it from someone else's perspective um and they could have the product or service that can support you but they also the supplier needs support on the other side as well and consideration.
0: No no we we're spot on. you and I could have a couple hour discussion on this <laughs> and we could lead a work workshop at the next NMSDC conference. We really could <laughs> <laughs> So I'm going to come back and pivot because, you know, you've been so successful in your career from pivoting and now launching such a innovative solution. But I know you also take time, you know, you serve on the board of the TAG diversity and inclusion. You work with volunteers uh, in the local chapters of the women in technology and the STEAM program. So there's a lot of people listening. And I think with the pandemic and people working remote, a lot of people have decided to get out of the traditional labor force and start their own business, what advice can you give to somebody that's diverse, possibly a woman who has never done this? What is the, some of the key things that you would tell them somebody who's just starting out?
1: For someone who's starting out, I would say to find an inspiration. Uh, Of course, find something that you're passionate about, There are plenty of days that you're going to have ups and downs, but you need something that's going to be your grounding point for for being able to stick with it. I've had plenty of days. I mean, I started IML in 2004. Right. And I've had a lot of ups and downs in the journey. But what has remained constant is my commitment to seeing my goal happen. And success is defined by how you determine success. So. Don't compare yourselves to other people and where they are in the journey. It's easy to do. We all have done it and say, like, "Wow, they're doing all of that. I should be doing that, or I haven't done this and I haven't done it, I'm a failure. No, you're not. You're on a journey. Hey, okay, you get to decide that journey. So I would say finding an inspiration, committing to your vision, um, finding mentors in different places in different parts of your business and your, your personal life. Being able to uh, look at LinkedIn, as a networking tool to, to build relationships, looking at what other thought leaders are saying on LinkedIn and being able to comment or to um, share a thought there. That's important in supporting others. I would also say you, when times get lonely, and there are times as an entrepreneur, as a founder, when you're starting it up, your, your family sometimes understand what you're doing. Sometimes they don't, your friends may or may not. You have to remain true to yourself You have to know that you are enough and that you can do it and that each step will unveil before you to make it happen. I know when I first started iMail, I'll share this briefly. Of course, I was at the time still in corporate. I would work from nine to six, come home, have a little dinner. And then at seven o'clock till three o'clock in the morning for years, I would work on iMail. And um, when I finally decided to, to take the leap after my mother passed, people were saying, well, Lisa... Don't take the leap. You have this great job. You're making such an impact. Um, You know, it's stupid. Like literally it's stupid. Why would somebody want to have video and this email experience It's not important. I think you're making a mistake. And so you're going to get a lot of feedback on your journey. But you have to stay true to you because it's your personal it's your personal journey. So when times get lonely, I would say connect with Connect with successful images of the way you define success. Like around me even right now, I got a picture of Oprah, I got Steve Jobs quotes, I got Henry Ford quotes, things that will keep you motivated. Uh, And this is for anyone that's either starting the journey or that may be in the middle of the journey or even successful. We all need things around us that remind us that we're not in the journey alone. And I want you to know also that every day is not going to be sunshine and rainbows and that you have to be prepared for that. And it's important to take time to celebrate both the large and small successes. When I think about Raj with the Wright brothers. okay? So the Wright brothers, the first airplane to fly. And the idea that they started in 1903 in some Kitty Hawk, North Carolina. And I read that there were five people present for the first launch of the Wright Wright brothers plane. And guess how long the first flight was, Raj?
0: uh 20 seconds
1: oh not not too bad it was 12 seconds long and they celebrated now if we think about it today we'll say 12 seconds Oh, that was nothing you're <laughs> talking about the, <laughs> the first time of it ever being done in the world it was the wright brothers and they were able to get the flight up in the air for 12 seconds and they celebrated with those five people and that's a powerful no. message to all of us to remember That you're breaking through glass fillings and clutter, and you celebrate every milestone that you accomplish in your dream going forward.
0: Wow, that's all I'm going to say. I mean, I feel like I've got five hours of (laughs) things that we could cover here in 30 minutes. (laughs) Oh, you it is fantastic, and also getting these history lessons. So, I know there's a number of entrepreneurs who are listening, as well as diversity leaders and procurement. But, you know, if I could sum up just the part of the conversation that has meant I think the most to people who are listening and especially to me, it's the passion constantly striving to doing what, you know, where you're going to be celebrating. I mean, that's how you kicked off this whole podcast is being celebrated yourself, but then also celebrating the small successes being intrinsically and extrinsically motivated by what you deem as success rather than what other people are telling you. And yeah. then realizing not every day is going to be, uh, perfect, but being happy about how you went through that day, and being constantly, uh, pers- maybe not pushing, but being persistent with your clients and showing them that you got something innovative and disruptive, and not waiting for that RP. But I, oh my God, Lisa, there's so much a wealth of information here. Thank you. I mean, I <laughs> I, I, I know the people listening are be very happy, and I know Aww. this is way, way, way overdue. So thank you, thank you, thank you for taking so. Taking time out of your busy schedule.
1: It's my pleasure to be here. And I want to say, Raj, you know, as you mentioned early in our conversation that we've known each other for years, uh, when I was on the corporate side, and you, of course, as a supplier. And I just want to say from day one that I met you, there is a ray of light that's special about you, uh, and how you give back to others. And I, I noticed that early on. And that's what we all need is something that distinguishes us, but that connects to others. And I'm just so honored that all of these years later like it's been at least i don't know 12 14 years a long time uh, that we first connected with me being on the corporate side and now i'm on the supplier side and i'm just so honored to be in your presence and in your audience's attention so thank you so much for the opportunity
0: oh Sorry. my goodness lisa that that was so that, that was so touching yeah my our friendship means the world <laughs> to me and uh, the relationship that we've cultivated over all these years but uh, i really appreciate those kind words and thank you again for joining. Thank and, you. And for everybody, this is, we are so happy you're able to join and listen to this special broadcast. Pete, please follow Lisa on LinkedIn. She's all over the place. You can get if you're an entrepreneur, she has always a number of great uh, items and tidbits as you heard today. If you're on the corporate side or the diversity side, I think Lisa's product is an absolute innovative game changer. Please see on the scope so how you can improve your relationship with your internal customers, your own internal stakeholders, your external. And once again, uh, thank you for everybody joining. This has been an episode of Procurement Innovation. We'll be uh, coming up with some other material with other great leaders uh, in the ecosystem. And we'd like to thank our sponsors, uh, Go Procure and the Business Process Group of Georgia. Thank you so much and have a great day.